what's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from the road in Aspen, Colorado, where I'm both playing and working. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners with insights from distinguished business leaders and subject matter experts. Before we get into today's conversation, I want to give you two announcements from the road. First, September marks the launch of Gusto Now, which is a growth and transformation institute dedicated to awakening meaning, passion, inspiration, and purpose in people, leadership, and organizations. We'll be featuring leadership development and other professional development courses on this e-learning platform available to individuals and companies in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. You can learn more at gusto-now.com. Second announcement is my book, Purpose Ignited, How Inspirational Leaders Ignite Passion and Elevate Cause, is finally due out on Amazon November 16th. You can pre-order it there. I wrote the book to turn you on to ignite your passion, inspiration, and purpose, and radically change the way leadership is conducted and business is done across the world. Now on to this week's program. Our guest today is James Sinclair, the chief executive and co-founder of Enterprise Alumni, which is a leading alumni and retiree engagement platform. Their software powers the corporate alumni networks of the world's largest companies, leveraging this vast untapped pool of people for talent, sales, marketing, and community. We'll be talking about the importance of relationship management in business today, how Alumni Network can, came to be, and how the platform improves operations for business in today's purpose economy. He joins us today from Los Angeles, California. James, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about the book. I can't believe that was point number two. That should have been point number one. <laughs> I've been up to all kinds of fun things in this pandemic, James. Let's just, let me just say that. It's just been fun. Um, all kinds of mischief, including you, by the way. You're part of my mischief. Um, so I loved it when we crossed paths and I like to start my shows by acquainting playfully our listeners and viewers with, with my guests. And so among other passions, you know, I'm an identity researcher, James. And so we got to start by how you cheekily, if I can use that word, um, put on your LinkedIn profile that you're an ENTJ, which is a Myers-Briggs personality type, a mix of technology, growth hacker, business acceleration, and generally shiny truck and new gadget syndrome guy. Can you say more about this person that I'm talking to? Uh, I don't know if we have enough time in the day to talk about <laughs> uh, talk about that. You know, I did the I did that uh, survey uh, with a with a identity researcher many many years ago, and the reality is she was exactly right across the board. Um, and I think one of the great things about about that is it actually can teach you and give you learnings of areas to to focus on things that perhaps I didn't consider or recognize about myself. That when you read it, you're like, oh, that's me, and then you're like, oh. That's me. <laughs> and I need to make some adjustments of that. And so, I, you know, I think the reason I like to put it out there is because I think it works. I think it's nice, a nice icebreaker. And for people who are into identity research and that type of thing, it's a great way to kind of start a conversation and laugh a little bit amongst the pros and cons of, of what that even means. 
Well, you know what's so great from my vantage point, James, because in, in my view, you're, you're really in the business of relationship management. And so, right, in so many, just today, I, I gave a, a webinar, a presentation, and I was saying job number one is self-awareness, right? So if we know mm-hmm. how it is we're navigating the world and what motivates us, we can then bring it when it really makes sense and then take it back a little bit, notch it back when, when we need to. So, for example, I am, I'm an ENFJ. So my heavy duty energy can blow your hair back. And some people don't like that. So, right. right I, I moderate that. So, so, so the fact that you, here you are, you are in, right. And tell me if I, you see it differently, but I see that you're in the business of relationship management, right? Yeah. Just, no kind of, okay. 100%. All right. So here's where I think it's interesting. So um, increasingly, I would say that conscious business people understand the value of nurturing relationships with all stakeholders. Certainly those employees who have left, and your platform helps them sustain the relationship with past employees, among others. So can you say more about why this is so important? So, yes, I can. And I think the way to kind of put it out into a sentence is for organizations, and this doesn't matter the size, you spend a lot of time, effort, and resources trying to find that perfect person, or or maybe even the good person that can fill the role. And you spend even more time kind of retaining them, hopefully, and being a great employer, hopefully. Uh, And then when they leave, the old way was like, well, good luck. And maybe, you know, you got that job you know, somewhere else, and maybe I'm a little bit annoyed about it, maybe I think it's treason, whatever the conversation might be. And I think in the past few years, you've seen that actually come around where you're in your new role because of us, because of the company we are, because of the opportunities we gave you. And why would we throw that away just because you walk out the door? I mean, we have one customer of ours who I'm just in love with because she uh, basically sends out a gift bag. I don't know if she does it anymore because of, of COVID, but essentially sends out like a gift bag of stuff two weeks into your new job that just says, hey, we hope you're doing amazing at your new role. We all miss you here. You know, whatever we can do. Essentially, she's saying the door's always open without saying it. And I thought it was just the most beautiful act of understanding what it means to be in it for the long haul, essentially. Mm, James, I love that. That is so evolved. And what I see there is that the, just the interconnectivity of it all, right? That just because you left today, you needed you need to grow into a new opportunity doesn't mean you, as you said, can't come back. And I also appreciate the the fluidity of that. In fact, one of the things that you said to me when we had our our get acquainted conversation that I so appreciate having started my career in recruiting and human capital 20 some years ago is you said that how employees leave a company is as important as when they join. Say more about that. Oh, I feel like every question you lob at me is going to come with a grumble first of like, oh, (laughs) where do I I start? So I'm going to watch myself. So I think there's two answers there. The first, going back to that first example of the lady that sends out the gift box or or the thank you or the note to the people that have left, is there are going to be people who say, why would you invest that money? What's the ROI of doing that? And show me the value. And my answer is very often that if you have trouble conceptualizing that investing in relationships makes sense then you're going to have a, a fundamental problem with your growth. And maybe maybe it might not catch up to you. Maybe it will. But essentially, some of the most meaningful things that count often can't be counted. And I think people forget about that when they're thinking about, you don't need a business case for why you should be a good employer, why you should keep in touch. You need a vision statement. You need a, you know, a perspective. And so 
I think when we talk about how you leave the company, it's because when you leave, the first thing that happens when you go to your new job is, hey, where did you come from? And they're either going to say, I was working at X and I escaped, or I worked at Y and it was awesome. And let me tell you about it. And you're always going to talk about your experience in the last company in this positive way. And actually, it's one of the most important brand moments there possibly is because 100% of people that leave will at some point reference their employment. And so it's a non-negotiable that every single touch point you have with any single human should be how you would treat your best customer. And and anyone who thinks that it's negotiable, that you can treat vendors through procurement differently to how you treat people onboarding into jobs or people offboarding are, are again, not recognizing that the world uh, is changing and they are going to be left behind. Oh, James, this is so delicious and yummy, right? Is there a better way to converse than something that's so enlightened? Let's Let's compare and contrast, shall we? I remember distinctly when I got into the recruiting space in late 1998, Seattle, Washington, we were you know, recruiting like crazy, especially technical people. But I also remember distinctly the practice of when it was time to sever a, an employment relationship, what that looked like. A, generally speaking, what happened is the unsuspecting employee or contractor would be sitting in their office or cube working when they would be sort of picked up by the scruff of their neck and, and, and led out to the parking lot and just before that, they were given a box and told to grab whatever that was in the was in the arm vicinity, put it in the box, and they were walked out to the parking lot and dropped off. I always thought that was so incredibly disgusting and dehumanizing. And so, what you have ushered in is so much more sensible, enlightened, and humane. And I think you know sometimes it's it's there's very short-termist attitude to it. The person in that role responsible for your separation, offboarding, whatever you want to call it, whether it has a name or whether it's just kicking them out the door, it is often not thinking about the bigger picture. You know, they think they're just one raindrop in the, you know, in the in the thunderstorm. And the reality is that's not the case. And I think it's a company's obligation to realize actually they are all interconnected. Everything is interconnected. And when you think about relationship, community, whatever that means, there's no start and, and stop. There's no beginning and end. It just is. You know, I just had a conversation with a colleague of mine. We're going through procurement with a company who is just amazing. There is a lady who phones me every week to let me know how I'm doing. Hey, this is where you're at. This is where the contract is. This is where billing. This is where you're going to go to make sure you get paid. And every week when she phones me, I just start with telling her how much I love her. And I mean that so honestly, because it is such an amazing thing. And so we always end up talking like, what's it? How did you even get hired for this role? You know, what is your, how are you judged? And she, and I'm like, are you going to send me a survey afterwards? And if I give you a 10, that's how your bonuses get. She said, no, she said, no one does. We're going to send you a survey because we want to make sure I'm doing a great job, but that's not how I'm judged. My performance isn't based on your 10. My performance is based on, are you happy doing business with us? And are you excited to do business with us? And are you going to deliver incredible software to us? And it's really hard not to be a little blown away when on the other side, we have some customers where there's a little bit of like, oh, you're the vendor. You should be thrilled to be doing business with us. You know, step aside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with that. And again, I want to acknowledge that, that there is such a, a, an enlightenment in being able to see how everything is interconnected and interdependent, all those relationships, all that energy. It's just, I think it's so great for us. One of the things I love about hosting the show, James, is to be able to help and advance the, 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 the leadership, the thinking, the operation of working and in a business today. And you are beautifully doing this, James. I love it. I'm so glad I found you or you found me, whatever it was. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I have, if I can, an amazing example of how this plays out kind of in the real world. If I can, if I can just lob something in there. Please um, lob. This is for a restaurant chain, a, a, a North American restaurant chain 
hundreds and hundreds of them, full service, sit down. And I guess, again, today, maybe not as applicable, and then they've moved in towards delivery and so forth. But essentially, they are America's first employer to a certain extent. People come out of high school, and they're working there, their first job, living with their parents, whatever it might be. Many people might not be going to university. And the number one cause of attrition of when people leave the company is no call, no show. Someone young that wakes up late, does something wrong, forgets something, doesn't show up for whatever reason, good or bad, and thinks the responsibility or the accurate thing to do is to put their head in the sand and to ignore it and hope it goes away. The CHRO of this brand basically said it is his personal obligation to teach people, number one, that's not how business works. You just phone, you tell them you made a mistake, you made an error, how can I make it up? But he said, forgetting that I believe it's my responsibility to teach people this, I can't afford to lose their entire family. So if you think about that individual, his entire or her entire family can no longer come to this restaurant because if they're like, hey, let's go here for Sally's birthday, this kid that overslept and didn't turn up is going to be like, oh, I can't go there. That's the manager I stood up and never returned their call. He's like, I can't afford to lose 50 customers because one kid, you know, overslept. And I think it doesn't always, you know, sometimes we pray it's because it's out of the goodness of heart. But other times you recognize there's just a financial business recognition of doing the right thing actually leads to incredible business results. Mm, That's so beautiful, James. And again, we're teaching strategy, right? Um, When I was teaching at SMU, related to what you're saying, I taught a course called Professional Seminar, which was for juniors and seniors. And essentially, James, what it was is how to get and keep your first job. And it's so important, that (laughs) socialization, that first job. I love what you just shared. That's so fantastic. Okay, so now I have to ask, we've talked about why this is a good idea, but what are companies missing out on when they do not nurture their alumni network? So I think what companies... No one ever looks at it. Very rarely do people look at it and say, this is a terrible idea. Yes, you're going to have some people who maybe just through and not to be an agent, maybe perhaps a little bit older in the employment organization where leaving was, you know, you're a traitor. And that existed. And we just have to accept that. But in reality, what they're losing is this entire pool of people that have an affinity to the brand. You're talking about customers. You're talking about referrals. You're talking about brand marketing. You know, we had one customer that stopped all their advertising on Facebook and Instagram, essentially saying until they manage kind of how they're going to they're going to deal with their advertisers, they're going to put a pause on on that advertising. And so they said, well, we still need to get eyeballs. We're still in the e-commerce business to consumer uh, industry, and we still need to get sales. So they went out to their alumni and said, hey, we're not advertising on these you know, channels. This is why. Would you mind liking, sharing you know, our content? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the social media team came back and said they had higher audience engagement, higher eyeballs, higher all of that. And it cost them nothing from a versus a paid ad, if that makes sense. So when you think about what is the value of this community, well, what's the value? What's the cost of not having it? Mm-hmm. Like, like what if you can't again recognize the importance of relationships, the importance of community? Then I can't build you a business case. You're not a customer of ours because if you can't connect those dots, there's nothing I can do. You know, now if you want to go into recruiting and all the data we have, yes, there's thousands of data points that show the high value and the ROI of it, but it has to start from a place of recognizing kind of relationships matter, period. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And on that note, I can't think of a better way to, to, to go into a break. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. We are there with James Sinclair, the chief executive and co-founder of Enterprise Alumni, a leading alumni and retiree engagement platform. He joins us today from Los Angeles, California. We've been talking about, about the importance of relationship management in today's purpose economy. After the break, we're going to learn how um, Enterprise Alumni came to be. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is James Sinclair, the Chief Executive and Co-Founder of Enterprise Alumni, a leading alumni and and retiree engagement platform. Their software powers the corporate alumni networks of the world's largest companies, leveraging this vast untapped pool of people for talent, sales, marketing, and community. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. All right, so James, in this next conversation, the next part of this segment, I should say, I really want to learn where this thing came from, right? It's no small deal to birth the idea to start Alumni Network come from. How was it born or hatched, if you will? So I was in HR tech, um, and I was really focused around the time that uh, I think all of us will remember is people moving essentially from on-premise HR systems built in the basement by professional services companies, cumbersome, awful, stress, you know, anxiety-ridden, moving to the cloud. I mean, the first to do it was in sales with Salesforce, essentially, and their CRM. Then you saw success factors, Workday. But this move to the cloud became kind of inevitable for large organizations. But as they moved to the cloud, they needed to move all of these awkward little things they've built around their on-premise kind of existing systems with it. You know, oh, we have this thing for, you know, how we offboard or separation or compliance, whatever it is. And so we saw this opportunity that would allow very large customers to actually do business with small niche software houses. You know, in the old days, you're not going to buy software from us because, you know, again, professional services, SAP and Accenture own your entire relationship. And why would you go outside of that? You're going to custom build. But what we saw with the cloud was this massive opportunity for niche vendors to be very good at one specific area. And so we really started exploring what is out there and what's going on and what are companies looking at. And ultimately, we came to a proof of concept with one customer we were working on, and we were working on an innovation project for some of their HR processes. And this concept of how people leave and replacement and opportunities and benefits came up. And you know, light bulb hit. I was like, huh, that could be a thing. So we did a proof of concept. We tested it out with our, with our, one of our first customers. And that was actually Lufthansa. And uh, it worked really well. And over a period of about a year, we thought that was it. Custom project, we're done. But over a period of about a year, we had about five more people come up and say, well, we want this thing, whatever that is. Um, and that was about four years ago. And on the beginning of year two, we were like, oh, This is real. There's a massive gap. There's a massive white space. And the data is sufficient that we don't have to rely on early adopters. We can actually give some real data that says, if you implement a program, these are the results you're going to see. And so, yes, about three, three and a half years ago, it became Enterprise Alumni. And and we've raced to market ever since. Kudos, hats off. Oh, it's just fantastic. It's it's so great to, to see something birthed, right? So one of the other things that I stand for is to really help nurture more entrepreneurs in the world who are solving problems in the world and expressing themselves through the work that they do. That's part of what I stand for. 
So I want to hear a little bit more about that story so that our, those listening that have maybe just even a slight inkling that they might want to do something in the way of, of entrepreneurship, they've got an idea, help us understand. So for Lufthansa was trying to do something to the extent that you can share with us. What was it the problem they were trying to solve? Why did they want to engage with you? So I think one of the big areas of all of this and being an entrepreneur or, or having an idea and not necessarily being an entrepreneur, just being able to kind of see the, the forest through the trees or whatever one wants to call it, is just hearing a tidbit in the middle of a conversation, that one three words that goes unnoticed, but actually is absolutely everything. And so being able to hear that and say, one second, I heard that has served me very well in my entire career, because as I speak to customers and I hear their problems, I hear what they're trying to do, being able to pick up on something that others might ignore is really where opportunity is. And so for us, you know, we were there for a different project related to HR transformation and processes, but it was this one conversation around how employees leave, when they leave, why they leave, uh, career for life. You know, Lufthansa is an amazing organization that treats their people incredibly well. Um, but there's also this recognition or the conversation I was sitting into, which is actually there might be a benefit of asking people to leave. Leave, go out, get some new skills, some different skills, new network, different network, and then bring you back. But why would you? Because Lufthansa is an incredible employer. Why would you ever leave? And so the conversation was maybe if people left, but we could still continue to give them all the benefits, all the perks that are so brilliant, would that actually make people more inclined to say, you know what, I am going to try something new. And if we made it clear, it was easy to come back. And so it spawned out of this one idea that at the time the CHRO had this kind of vague thought process of, is asking people to leave actually in the best interest of the employee and the company because they're going to come back a couple of years later and when they come back, they're going to come back swinging. And I was a little bit um, taken aback with like, wow, number one, just in general, just wow, because I love hearing people talk about their vision statements. And two is, well, they're going to need something to be able to do that with. And there's nothing out there. And they were talking at the time about using a CRM or custom building something. And that's really what, what kicked it off was, hey, I think there's something here. Why don't we just do a proof of concept? Why don't we just ideate? And I think to other entrepreneurs, it's really important to recognize that the only thing more important than a product is customers. And so for us, I've always believed in you've got to find the customer. You've got to find the business case. You've got to find the problem first versus spending eight months in the lab trying to create something, especially for, for the software that we're doing and hoping that when you come to market, you know, field of dreams, everyone's going to come because that doesn't exist. It doesn't matter how great, you know, you might be. So I think for Lufthansa, it was also a great understanding into a visionary CHRO, Dr. Bethany Vulcans, who just had a perspective of what the next 10, 20, 30 years look like for the Lufthansa group. Okay, this is now getting beyond yummy. I need to create a new term because yummy just doesn't quite do it anymore. So here's what I want to celebrate about what you're talking about, James. And as a growth and transformation professional, my, my jam is seeing molecules change in front of my eyes. And I, there's nothing more exciting to me than that. And I just got to do that today on an earlier call with, some, with an executive I'm, I'm coaching. So the idea that an organization would intentionally ask someone to leave the organization so that they can go and retool, refuel, if you will, add something to their person and their set of tools, and then be welcome to come back is so refreshing because here's what I know. We need a catalyzing force to be able to ignite that development. And oftentimes what I see in organizations that have longstanding tenure of employees is a, is a certain stagnancy. And right. they, have, they have missed the opportunity to really see a new environment, see how, be forced to do things in a whole different way and therefore learn and grow and expand their, their strategic mindset. And so this is so refreshing to hear how this 
CRHO has this vision of intentionality to grow people by actually asking them to leave and come back. I think it's just reflective. Or, look, it's a leadership conversation, period. It has to start at the top. Um, and the reason it has to start at the top is because it's got to have someone who has long-term vision in terms of the fact that they're going to be there in a year, two year, five year, 10 years. Uh, but also the vision to say, okay, let's try it. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we put together a risk analysis, work out Absolutely. what we can do, confine it, try it. And if it doesn't work, okay. Like I think people misinterpret the concept of failure. You know, failure is an overused term. You hear it all the time on podcasts of like, you know, run into failure fast, follow your failure. There's all these words about it. But actually, to a certain extent, I think it's an overrated and the wrong word to use in a majority of scenarios, because a majority of failures actually get you one step closer to success. A majority of failures are building blocks to new information. I think we've pitched this, you know, fail fast, fail quickly. Nope, that's just learn. And iterate. And I think we've given the wrong mentality right. to entrepreneurs, which is, it's okay if you fail. No, it's not. It just, it's just not failing. It's, 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 <laughs> it's devastating. not okay. Yeah, yeah, devastating. It's not okay to fail. Why don't you look at it the other way that says, what do you need to do to get closer to correctness? Whatever that might mean. And it's a never-ending right. journey. I mean, I had a call this morning right. with a customer who was talking to us about our release. It was an IT side of the customer. They want to know releases and versions. And I said, you need to understand something. Our product is in perpetual beta. And he looked at me as if I was, that was going to be the end of my contract. And I said, and that is in the best interest of you because everything changes consistently. And if you're not using changes in behavior and patterns and everything to iterate your product, then you're really staying stagnant. And I think that applies to individuals, to companies, to everything is this perpetual state of beta doesn't mean that, oh, you've hit failure. You're going to just jump off a cliff. No, it means, okay, we're going to try things and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So agree with that. And, and I, that's such an important governing mindset to, to embrace. And, and, and with that, I really wanted to get the opportunity to be able to ask you to share about some of the things that you've had to navigate through. I'm sure that along these four years, there have been just a couple of challenges and things that you've had to overcome. So share with us just maybe a couple that maybe will help our listeners understand how you have uniquely embraced this whole attitude of risk and failing and re- what do I want to say? Retooling. So this morning we were having a conversation where we're working on something and there's some complexity and people were talking about the mayhem and the chaos and the, you know, basically I came in and lobbed a grenade in the middle of the project management team with a new idea I had. And I reminded everyone, do you remember three and a half years ago when we had one customer? You want to talk about a grenade? I had no grenades because I had one customer. We were wondering how we were going to get our second customer. When we had two customers, we had a platform that wasn't fully stable and we were trying to work out how we were going to, you know, fake it till we make it. You know, five customers, we suddenly needed support, but we didn't have it. So all of us were running 24-7 support on our phones and having alarms wake us up if a customer in Europe woke up, you know, submitted support ticket. The problems never go away. They just change. And it doesn't get easier. It just, again, it's just different. And I think people, it's really easy to forget the pain of like last year and or the pain of three years ago. I always tell people when we're in things, I'm like, remember this, because in two years, when you complain about something, I'm going to remind you about this moment and how the world was ending right here. And it wasn't. So I think one of that is recognizing that the, the pain is, is the only difference is the, the level, the, the, you know, the amount of it, you know, as we get bigger, we have bigger contracts, we have government contracts, just bigger problems, different problems, you know, it doesn't change how quickly I might lose my hair. And I think the, the second side of that is also my personal growth, which is how to be a great employer. And I think that has accelerated in the past six months. And that has done more learning for this company and our product than actually anything has 
in my life in terms of learning how to be a great, great employer. You know, the one thing I've always done is when I interview people, I always first question, when you leave us in three years, what role are you going to get? And people are like, what? Like when you leave us in three years, because I hope that either you do, or if you don't, it means everything's amazing. What is the next role? Are you going to have headcount? Are you going to have this? Are you going to be VP? What is the role you're going to go into? And, you know, on one side, it always baffles people because people don't ask that. But two is I explain to my employees, well, the, the prospect, I need to understand what I've got to do to keep you. I need to understand what I've got to do at every single moment of every day to retain you because retaining you is a right. Sorry, retaining you is a privilege, not a right. And therefore, if I don't know your three-year goal, if I don't know where you're going, then someone else is going to come in and swoop you. And so I think that learning is as important as the business learning, is trying to be a good leader, especially now when everyone's you know working over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Wonderful points. That's so, so great to share all of those things. And it makes me think the next thing I really want to get to, because let me back up and give some context first. Uh, from my vantage point, James, I am very, very biased in this. I do think that work is a pretty amazing playground when you get it right, when you have the right yeah. fit, right? Uh, for a lot of people, about 85% of the globe as it is really don't quite see it that way, just so. So you and I are both working on changing that. In fact, one of the things I didn't say is part of what I'm doing, especially in the pandemic, is helping organizations to look at and evaluate, let's look at all of your human capital processes and procedures and see which ones need to be either completely thrown out entirely because they were invented in 1982 or adopted in 1982, or they are sucking the soul out of the people that you're trying to motivate and, and get to perform. So so anyway, all that said, um, I love the work that I get to do. I get to live my purpose and I have a sneaky suspicion that you have a little bit of fun at what you're doing. So I wanna hear a few things that you're proud of at what you've done at, at Enterprise Alumni. I'm proud of everything that the team has managed to accomplish as an organization. And the reason it's so important to be proud of everything is because I'm here and it's working. And we have amazing customers in, you know, the global 2000 and they're all referenceable. And I think all of that, I think I'm most proud about the culture we've created as an organization, which is a culture of recognizing that everyone's different. Everyone works differently. Everyone's motivated by different ways. I'm proud of, of an early thing I did, which is making our engineers interface with our customers. Uh, what I, it was a program we originally called Feel Their Pain. <laughs> and the, the reason was because when the customer is telling us about a problem or a thing that they're trying to solve, and we try and relay that to the product team, and we're small, so I say relay, it's looking to my right and being like, hey, Ken, here's a problem. You know, by the time it gets to an engineer's desk, they don't understand the, you know, the, the what went into that conversation. And so what I realized really early is by putting people, everyone in our organization to meet our customers, to know our customers, the amount of pride they have when they deliver something for one of our customers is just incredible because they know I'm delivering this and this is something that Sam wants and is going to make his life better. And when you can connect those dots, you know, you talked about it, which is understanding where you fit into the ecosystem, but understanding that the whole ecosystem is connected. Connected. And if you disconnect areas, the only thing it can lead to is lack of something. It doesn't grow anything when you silo a section of your organization. And I think the final section I'm really proud of is being really open and transparent with our customers. You know, we are a small company and we have monster customers, infinitely bigger than us. And we like telling them that, look, there are pros and cons and here's what they are and here's why it's great. But here's what you're going to get. You know, I, my first few customers, 
I remember when I went back and said, hey, I'm building out like a repeatable sales process to get more customers. I need to understand why you said yes. And the majority answer was, I didn't think your product was there yet, was actually what I heard overwhelmingly. And of course, I fell off my chair of like, oh my God, is this, is this, I might be canceled. I phoned you for advice and this is the end of our contract. But they said, actually, we bought into your vision. <laughs> we bought into your team's vision. We knew you were going to get there. And if you got there, we knew it was going to be amazing. And transparency with your customers is just everything because it means it's set the right expectations. It means when all hell breaks loose, which it may do at any point, you can literally send a text and they're going to be like, no problem, keep me updated. As opposed to this is unacceptable, this is mayhem, you're in breach. You know, when you treat everyone as a partner versus a customer vendor relationship, you see such accelerated growth through your organization, through your sales channels, and through the relationships and the conversations that you get to have human to human versus customer to, to vendor. And I think that's something that we've really worked on since day one. Mm, so beautiful. And again, showcasing the true value and the ROI of building beautiful, precious relationships. Beautiful. Oh, 100%. Uh, all right, our last break, Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with James Sinclair, the chief executive and co-founder of Enterprise Alumni, a leading alumni and a retiree engagement platform. He joins us today from Los Angeles, California. After the break, we're going to hear more about the business win and application of this platform. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is James Sinclair, the Chief Executive and Co-Founder of Enterprise Alumni, a leading alumni and retiree engagement platform. Their software powers the corporate alumni networks of the world's largest companies, leveraging the vast untapped pool of people for talent, sales, marketing, and community. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So for this last segment, I really wanted us to talk about how this application that you've created, this platform that you've created really helps businesses win. And so I read on your website some, a couple of really cool things. I love all the information that you have out there. It's so important to be, to be enlightened. But you say that Alumni Network helps companies filling up to 20% of all open requisitions via alumni and alumni referrals and 50% average reduction in time to productivity and 44% higher retention. Um, so obviously this translates to these, to how companies win by using your platform. But Help us understand a bit more about why these numbers are so important to organizations for those who maybe are not so acquainted to the recruiting space. Yeah, and I think that's a great question. You know, not everyone thinks about community or relationships from a, oh, I'm going to recruit from it. But the reality is these are people that know your organization. They know your politics. They know Elevator 3 is always broken. They know to get to lunch six minutes early. They know all the bits and pieces, including the skeletons in the closet about your organization. And so there's three data points that, that we kind of have based on all of our data. Number one is about 80% of all leavers, eligible leavers, not people who are terminated for cause, or about 80% of all eligible leavers would return 
for the right opportunity. Of that 80%, a majority of them are never going to go to your careers website and fill in their resume. I mean, I can't imagine again in my life I'm ever going to visit careers.thatcompany.com and create a profile and update my, update my competencies. And, but having access to those people and giving them an accelerated re-entry, if they do take the job, number one is you can ask their old manager, you know, hey, Sally, how is it like to work with Frank? And she's going to tell you. He's great. He's amazing. Here's what you have to work on. Here's what you don't. This is what's going to work. You know, the real honest answer is the best way to find out if someone's going to be a great fit is to work with them. You know, you've got to get over that resume period. And not everyone likes this example, but I really think about it from a dating perspective. You know, when you go on and you have your first two months of dating, everyone's on their best behavior. And then, you know, month two or month three, day three, you leave a cup by the sink instead of washing it and cleaning and putting it in the dishwasher. You know, by month, <laughs> si by month six, you know, my wife has worked out I'm a bit of a slob. And the key is, you know, it, because it takes comfort to understand it. And I know it's not maybe the greatest example, but that's how it works in business as well. The, the, you know, all the vectors, all the AI, all the intelligence doesn't actually show you what it's going to be like to work with this human. So bringing someone back gives you that answer. And that's why it's the number one source of quality hire. And what we mean by that is at the end of the first year, they're still with the company, they're not in a performance improvement program, and the manager rates them good or better. So we know that data exists. And then the second data point is feet on the ground quickly. So if we think about two use cases we currently have based on kind of where we are in, in the world, one of our customers is going out to all of their retirees and saying, would you come back and work for us? Retirees that left in the last four or five years, I think. Um, not because we need someone to fill in Excel spreadsheets and do manual labor. No, because we don't have enough people in our organization who have been through and recovered from a crisis. And we need your leadership. We need your guidance. We need your expertise. Would you return? overwhelming yes. In fact, what was so amazing is how few people asked how much, as in what's the opportunity? You know, I think a little bit selfishly, if someone had come to me with that question, my first, my first response would be like, yeah, what are we looking at here? You know, let's put together a deal structure. What was so amazing is these retirees were so vested in the organization, you know, for a number of reasons, including the fact that their retirement account is linked to the business and the business success. But it was an amazing conversation between a company and this pool of people. And so when they do get back, they know everything. They know what works. They know what doesn't work. And they're going to be impactful. So I think when we think about this one answer of what's the value, well, we know. We know what you are. We know how you are. We know whether you're great. And we're seeing a lot of companies saying, you know, we want to hire great people. We'll teach them the skill. So how do we just find great people? Well, this talent pool of, you know, from thousands to tens of thousands that have worked with you over the past 10, 15 years as an organization. Well, the other thing that strikes me going along the same dating or marriage line there, James, is so, you know, let's an, an employee leaves an organization in, because they just couldn't stand that that person, you know, my employer leaves the teacup by the sink. I hate that about my employer, right? They go right. to their next employer and they realize not only do they leave the teacup, but the sink is full of dishes. I'd love to come back to that teacup. Right. So the grass isn't always greener. And so to have an opportunity, a means to return to me just makes so much sense. And to make it civilized and humane is even better. We have a data point from a survey we did to all of our users last year. And it's a little bit aggregate. So it's not perfect because it includes all industries, all globes. But nearly 30 percent of people regretted their job move. Mm -hmm. um, but what am I going to do? I can't phone you back up and be like, hey, remember me? I left four days ago. I hate it. 
You can't right. do that. I mean, my arrogance, my arrogance alone would never, or my ego alone would never actually let me make that conversation. So that's why making sure you leave the door open for those passive opportunities to return is so critical because it's a tough conversation. Who do I phone? Where do I phone? How am I going to do it? Is You've got to make it as easy as possible for someone to stay in touch, whatever that might mean. And you've got to break down all the barriers that people might have, whether it's my ego and my arrogance, whether it's my you know confidence, whatever it is, you've got to make sure that as an organization, the door is open. All they have to do is raise their hand just a few inches up in the air and you're going to be right there to be like, hey, how can we help? Mm-hmm. And again, I see this, I see this as a mechanism that helps to develop communication and connection, which of course I stand for all day long. We all could use definitely me an improvement in communication and connection. So your platform doing that. And then to that extent, I wonder James, you talk about how uh, alum, uh, Alumni Network also provides a way for companies. Dr. Cortez, I apologize. I missed the last section there. No worries. I thought I saw something disconnect there. What I was asking was I wanted to better understand how Alumni Network helps companies to market their products and services through their alumni. How does that work? The majority of people are still customers. If you take Target, when you leave Target, you still get a 7% discount. You know, so you can leave Target however you want. You can leave in a fit of rage because that employer leaves the teacup by the sink. But 7% <laughs> is, if anyone who's been to Target and popped in for batteries and walked out $210 later, you know, knows that 7% is very important. And I think a lot of organizations recognize that a customer is, you know, I think, it, I can't remember who it is who basically said, when you leave, you're promoted from employee to customer. And that's mm. how we look about the exit process. And I'd love to be able to give the credit, but I think that's really important. And that goes not only for retail, professional services. I think KPMG had that stat that 40% of net new business has an alumni's thumbprint on it. It doesn't mean the alumni originated the deal or signed the deal. It just means somewhere along that chain of a deal being done, an alumni stood up and said something in favor. So if, if, if someone is questioning whether or not brand advocates work, well, I would tell you, just look around because they do work because 90% of what you buy is based on someone's recommendation there and then. And some companies start by just offering a discount, a very tangible, join our alumni network. This is the discount. You know, we have airlines that maintain, as we mentioned, some of the same perks as you would have had when you're an employee. So a lot of good reasons. It doesn't always have to be, I'm joining the network to get a new job, to learn something, to train something, to connect. Sometimes it's okay to say, I'm joining the network because I'm going to get a discount. And that's a fair trade. You know, sometimes it's okay. Okay to say that. Absolutely. This is what I want in the deal. Absolutely. And yeah. back to your transparency thing. Um, okay. So now at this point, we've, I think we've helped our listeners and viewers understand really what it is that you do. Now let's talk up maybe if we can about a business case of how a company has used the platform to improve their bottom line results. I mean, almost every one of our customers has some sort of an ROI dashboard or something similar. If I was to give a couple of, of tidbits out there from a data perspective, uh, I was on a recent webinar with EY and City, and they both talked about the fact that EY, 18% of all employees are returners. Uh, mm -hmm. City, 12% of all uh, employees are returners. And City went one further and said for positions of a certain grade or higher, and I forget what they said, we believe the saving is about $75,000 every time we hire someone back because they stay longer, they're more impactful, all of those stats. So you have companies out there that are doing the research all day on this, that recognize, you know, for City, you know, 12%, $75,000 saving per, you're talking about a multi-million dollar saving. But I think it's also important to recognize that some people are like, well, great, I'm not City, I'm not EY, I have a 12-person company. 
cool, we have a small company too. Referrals are just as important to us. Referrals are, are a critical source of talent supply, a critical source of net new business. So I think these teachings of maintaining a relationship are, are you know, across the board, doesn't matter who you are, what size you are. In fact, I think it's just a life lesson that sometimes takes a moment to learn, which is you have to nurture the relationships you have and you only realize you haven't been great at it when someone's like, hey, do you know anyone at IBM? And you're like, oh, crap. I used to have a great friend that worked there and I lost contact type of thing. You only really realize the misconnections when you're like, oh, I made an error there and there was no reason. One email a year could have satisfied that. One like on a Facebook post may have satisfied that. And so I think that whilst the data is overwhelming, what you are seeing is a tremendous shift in all the companies that are coming to us specifically during this pandemic. I mean, a majority of our net new customers are customers who are bleeding and you know, firing or furloughing thousands of employees. Yet during this time, they're taking a conscious effort to say, hey, this is awful, but this is not the end of mankind. It's going to rebuild. And so the community and these relationships matter. So this is now the time more than ever to build an alumni community and to connect them and to help them and do whatever we can to you know, automate because we're resource you know, light, but at the same time, try and be of service and of value. We have one amazing CHRO who came on a call a few weeks ago with one of our customers to all of their alumni and said, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry of the position we're in. I'm sorry the organization we're in. You know, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go learn. I'm going to open up our entire learning management system. I'm going to open up everything. Go learn because here are five jobs we're hiring right now that in January, we didn't even know were jobs. We need people to help support us on our Microsoft Teams and things and remote and collaboration. Go learn. These are all learnable competencies. They require no experience except learning, learning, and come back to us and earn more money. And this CHRO had basically built a culture of being honest and being transparent. At the end of the call, thousands of people that had been fired essentially applauded for this guy. And it was a great moment to recognize what it means to be a great leader is during the worst of times, people still respect what you have to say and understand the heart and compassion of what you're trying to say, even though you've just delivered them the worst news ever, which is you're out of a job in the worst job market ever. Mm -hmm. Such an elevating conversation, James. I'm loving every moment of it. And you just perfectly queued up the, the next question I wanted to ask you, which is relative to COVID-19. So we all know how much 2020 has entirely changed life the way we work, and I think irreversibly altered the workplace. So I'm interested in what insights you have about what companies and leaders can do to meet the needs of a workforce that craves meeting and connection in these new times. Be human. I wish it was anything deeper than that. You know, have a human-centered approach. I wish I could give you, look, there's a lot of bullet points that come off, but be human, but it starts and ends there. And you're seeing that. And you're seeing that because the conversations we're having are, I'm seeing a customer of mine at home and I'm meeting their kid. I'm seeing their cat walk across the screen. You can't hide being human when someone who day-to-day, -day, I have one customer, a major bank in North America, and every time I've spoken to him in 2019, beginning of 2020, suit, tie, mahogany walls, like proper old school bank. I kid you not, a week into COVID, we did a Zoom head to toe in Alabama University kind of gear, <laughs> cat flying across the room, TV kind of, and we had the greatest chat we've ever had. I don't think we talked any business, but we, in that 45 minutes, I got to learn more about him that I've learned in three years, two years of him being a customer. And I also learned what pig suey means. If you happen to be from Alabama, I guess that's important. I'm not going to go into it. It's a chant that took along. But the key being is those are human conversations to know a little bit about your life outside the transactional relationship that we have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, this goes back to my, I'm really, really intent on helping organizations to be able to remove themselves from these shackles of all these 
processes and practices that they've they've kept over the years that are completely not serving them. And the pandemic has actually fully illustrated, put a light on those things and why they're not working. And to your point, now is a great time to start looking at new ways to engage, connect, uh, teach, and reward people. You can get away with it now. You know, we talked to one customer, you know, and if you think about like a five-star hotel brand, in 2019, they couldn't have sent you an email of like, hey, we're going to try a beta of doing something new. You know, click here if you're interested in joining. It would have been like, are you kidding me? It's $1,200 a night. You don't do anything in beta. I expect everything to be perfect. Now, all of a sudden, you can say that and people be like, oh, that's great. Look at them innovating. This is the moment where you can take all of those risks. You can try those things because your entire audience is willing to accept that you're trying, you're testing, this is uncharted. So anyone who's like, well, do we really want to investigate? This is going to be hopefully the only time in the next X number of years where you can be like, blame COVID, we're going to try this. But maybe in some respects, you're actually, this is a way for you to you're not blaming COVID besides you. You did it as an organization. You have to wonder, but you need to blame someone. You put your arm around it and walk with it into the room, right? That's what yeah. you're doing. So, okay. So guess what, James? We managed to do it. We've already managed to blow almost a whole hour together. And so, you know, this program is listened to by people across the world and it's meant to be able to help them more meaningfully and purposely connect with their work. What would you like to leave our listeners with? Look, as a platform company, Enterprise Alumni, we serve great organizations developing these communities. Not everyone is ready for that. And my big sentence is, if you recognize the importance of relationships, think about how people are leaving your organization, whether it's an Excel list, whether it's an email two weeks after they join, just take one step. And that first step is collecting an external email address when they're leaving. Just have a way to reach out to them. Maybe send them one email a year and see what happens. It doesn't always have to start and end with a big alumni platform and a big strategic program just starts with with taking the first step. And I think that's really important. Fantastic. What a great way to finish. James, you have been delightful. I'm so glad to have you in my life. And by the way, you know, now that we're connected, you could run, but you cannot hide from me, right? You know, I hope so. I hope so. I'm counting on it. Good, good, good. I'm I'm a pretty fast runner too, as it turns out. So look out. Um, All right. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to learn more about James or the alumni network, go to their website. It's enterprisealumni.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We run here with Dr. Herb Sennett, who is the encouragement doctor, talking about the importance of surrounding yourself with people who lift and can inspire you to take on life's opportunities. Next week, we'll be on the air with Michael Oster, talking about his book, Level Up, which will help you regain your forward momentum by using a personal and powerful method to become the best possible version of you, both as a person and as a leader. See you there. Remember that work is at least one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.